A toxic system has been in place for a real long time and might be more advanced now than ever. This toxic system has been referred to within the scriptures of the Bible and here on the Keeping It Real podcast as the world system. On today's episode, there will be a firm laying out on what this toxic system looks like and how it operates. More importantly, the call and encouragement will be issued to step out of this toxic world system initially, if you be someone that's outside of Christ, and all the more if you be someone that's in Christ. This episode today will be a tremendous treat and filled with powerful, riveting content as I have all four Keeping It Real conversation partners here with me to lay out what this toxic world system is and what it does to people. We will highlight four subsystems within this toxic world system, and in so doing, proclaiming the glorious kingdom that is opposite to it, that being the kingdom of God. So if you're tired of running on empty, at it with being unfulfilled, done with a whatever way of life, you've come to the right place here on the Keeping It Real podcast, the podcast that gives real answers for real issues by proclaiming Jesus Christ. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real. It's the podcast that provides real answers for life's issues by proclaiming Jesus Christ for who he really is. Now, here's the host of Keeping It Real, Ollie G. All right, and we are here for the very first episode of the 2024 season of the Keeping It Real podcast. And boy, do we have a treat in store for you today as there has been a great challenge that has been met in having not one, not two, not three, but all four of the Keeping It Real conversation partners in at the same time doing an episode together. And what we will be discussing is this toxic world system. And we will be breaking this down as we progress in this episode of the podcast. Our core verse of scripture for this episode is found in John chapter 15, verse 19, which says, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, therefore the world hates you. Or the New Living Translation of the Bible renders it this way. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Okay, so this toxic world system has one goal in mind, and that's to run people down and ultimately take them out. First question, when we think of the world or the world system, what do we think of? And uh, we certainly want to give proper respect where respect is due in allowing the lone lady of this panel to go first, <laughs> that being Tatiana Dunnett. Tatiana, what do we think of when we think of the world or the world system? That's a really broad, uh, broad question, but I, I think... Generally, I think of government systems because I think that's generally how the world is is run. And um, the governments of every nation, every tribe really is impacted and affected by how its rulers dictate uh, various laws and things that go on within each of those uh, countries. So that's kind of where I, I where I'm where I immediately think of that when I think of a world system. Okay. So we go from uh, government. We are going to be getting into that mm -hmm. aspect of things later on in this episode. 
Uh, Tom, what do you think of uh, Tom being the newest conversation partner of the Keeping It Real podcast? What do you think of when you think of the world system? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Tanya and, and her 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 understanding of it, and I and I would just say, you know, the the buzzword is a worldview, and I think that the worldview is the the lens through which we we see everything, and uh, it's not what we say that our worldview is; it's it's how we respond. So how we respond in a situation where a spontaneous situation, it's that is our worldview. So we all have one. But but not everybody's uh, able to uh, articulate it uh, so so well. And uh, as Christians, we we would hope and strive to have a Christ-centered worldview. Okay, so you mentioned that there is a Christ-centered worldview, which is certainly something we're going to be diving into the depths of more as we proceed along in this episode of the podcast. Jeff Stuppy, all the way with us from Michigan. I know you you're not going to be at a loss for words on this. What, what what say you as far as what is the world system or what do you think of? I'm at a loss. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I took it from a different perspective. I just looked at how I looked at worldly things. So world system, what's it like to be successful according to the world? Right. It was, I believe, more popularity, money, material possessions. Now the world, I think, is valuing self-righteousness, so-called tolerance, and you know some of the movements that are out there. So they're all part of the world. And uh, being a good person, uh, with, in quotes, is part of what the world seems to be valuing right now. I mean, I think it just hits me with New Year's Eve, right? I used to think, all right, New Year, how am I doing? What do I have to look at? Uh, how am I measuring up to the world? Mm, all right. Well, there, lots to unpack there. Appreciate that, Joe. Now we go to you to bat clean up on this first question. <laughs> like you're going to have, uh, you're like, you're going to be at a loss for words talking about the world <laughs> system here. Uh, you've riffed on this quite a bit already at, on different points or in different episodes of the Keeping It Real podcast. How would you sum up or how would you expand uh, what's already been said on this? Well, the world, meaning the cosmos, right? The world of humans. There's two different worlds, the lost world and the saved world. And uh, that's the world that Jesus is talking about. The lost world hates uh, those who are his. Um, each world has a ruler. There's one who rules all things, regardless of whether the other one thinks he's in, tr in control, uh, meaning Satan. But um, that's, I think, the important thing we need to understand is when we're dealing with the world, it comes from a perspective of not only the physical, but that the spiritual impacts that physical world. So they only they only follow the leader whom they serve. And that's why Jesus uses that analogy, that terminology there, that we're not of this world because we're not. And uh, the world hates us. And that's because we are contrary to them. Well, and it's based off of our identity in Christ, which I'm pretty sure that's what you were also looking to hit home on. Yeah, uh, I figured I'd let you do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I appreciate that. So we clearly have a distinction between two different worlds. And it certainly, again, bleeds back to a prior uh, Keeping It Real podcast episode, uh, the difference between two kingdoms. And so now we're going to look at some subsystems within the overall world system while we are in each of these uh, institutions or organizations, shall we say, we are not to be of these things. Because again, this toxic world system has one goal in mind, 
and that's to run people down and ultimately take them out. And if there's one thing that I desire greatly for our listeners to uh, really gravitate to and really grab a hold of as a result of listening to this episode of Keeping It Real, it is that God calls us to come all the more out of these worldly systems. Okay. So first off, we'll start off with uh, the education system. Our higher education system, that is college and master's degree programs and what they entail, are ever-changing. And stuff you kind of alluded to this earlier just in, when you made some economic comments, but uh, they, certainly it's true in the education realm as well. It's ever-changing. And now, listen, all of us here on this episode of the Keeping It Real podcast have all degrees of higher learning. I don't think we would regret those. We cherish those. We value those. However, while we as Christians have been in the educational system, how are we not to be of the educational system? And Tanya, I'm going to start with you again because you work in the educational system. You are a speech therapist by trade. Mm -hmm. So how do you respond to this whole idea of while we are in the education system, and it's certainly true for you, how are we, and not just us here on the Keeping It Real podcast, but people in general, how are they not to be of the educational system, especially Christians? And what say you to even unbelievers? How should they not allow the pursuit of education or educational goals to dominate them. Mm. All right. Well, you presented a couple of different uh, thoughts there. So I'll start with um, the first question. How are we not to be, um, we're not of the educational system. Like I, and I'm in the educational system. I have a bachelor's degree in education and I have a master's degree in speech and language pathology. And I have been in the educational system since about 2010 um, when I graduated uh, from my undergrad. And, and you love every minute of it, right? <laughs> I do love to learn. Yeah. I will say uh, if I could earn a living being a professional student and just earn money to go to classes, I absolutely would. Um, <laughs> I do really enjoy that. But uh, I will say it, it's been it's been quite a challenge for me in the last several years as an educator, um, particularly working with K to twelve students and seeing um, just the different agendas and different uh, uh, thought processes that are that are leaking into the curriculum and different and different aspects of the education like you know gone are the days where we just you know teach you know math and science and literature and we you know do fun crafts with our kids and and unfortunately you know teachers and administrators are being asked to um you know, be accepted and inclusive of, of a lot of different thoughts and uh, belief systems. And, and, um, and it's becoming, it's, it's not really even just a suggestion, it's becoming more of a demand. And so it's becoming harder to, it's definitely going to become more of a challenge as a believer specifically to stand up and say that, no, I don't agree with that. And no, I can't stand by and, and, and pretend like I'm okay with that. And so uh, for me, it's knowing that at some point I may be asked and I may be forced to choose whether I stay for the sake of my job or whether I leave um, for the sake of being obedient to, um, you know, my faith in, in Christ. And so um, 
that for me is is the defining moment of like yes i'm in education uh, in the education world right now but i i don't need to remain in that if it's going to ask me to um compromise anything that's um for my beliefs that are that are extraordinarily valuable so mm-hmm. and there are many educators that are running into that yes. and uh, we hear reports of that quite a bit so um i appreciate you bringing all of that out that's certainly important and relevant here Joe, I'm now going to kick it to you. What say you as far as this uh, system of higher learning? How are we not to be of it, even though we are in it? You certainly have been in it, attaining uh, degrees yourself. I'm still in it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Are you sure you want this answer? (laughs) I'm I'm living dangerously, man. Come on. (laughs) All right. Um, Keeping it real here. How politically correct could it be here? <laughs> I'm not going to be politically correct on this answer. So what you're seeing in today's educational system, specifically in colleges and universities, is a direct result in the 1960s of uh, the common core, what they called the core curriculum. It was the glo- global core curriculum that was instituted by the United Nations. Uh, and all of the nations that are part of the UN signed this treaty. As a result, years go by, the Clintons Institute Global Learning, or you know, really the issue of the educational system, that was Hillary's big thing. Uh, the Bushes Institute, uh, George W. Bush specifically, No Child Left Behind, No Child Left Behind was then uh, piggybacked by Obama and the core curriculum, and now you have what you have. I mean, th- I, I, there is nothing else I could say concerning the reality of our educational system is called global citizenship. That's the whole point of the core curriculum was to create was to instill a, a a loss of what you would consider nationalism. And I'm not a Christian nationalist. Trust me, I totally disagree with that. But um, but the reality is uh, they they basically. What's interesting enough is that you you really started the whole thing off with the right question, right? The world system. What makes us think that that wasn't going to happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, about it. Do, do we really think that if if a, if you want a global takeover, you got to start off with their kids, yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. you produce in those kids a commitment to the global system, where they think they are global citizens. And that they have to protect the planet as a citizen of the globe. You are you already it's done. I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, and we as believers will be con- will be uh, more and more uh, looked at and really attacked because we are different. And yeah. that's the that's the educational system of today. The, that's. It, the whole point of the of the of of this moment is for global citizenship, and what you're seeing in universities is a commitment to that. All right. So now um, you decided to turn up the heat, which is cool. <laughs> All right, and we kind of right. we, we kind of really. need that. It's 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 a it, it's almost required within the context of a show like this. So stop. You are a stepdad of a couple of teenagers. You're dealing with with the aspects of this in your own life now, 
But I say to you um, also that, you know, a long time ago, you and I were in an institution of higher learning together mm-hmm. back at the University of Delaware. Yeah. Little did we know back at that time, and neither one of us were Christians at that point, you know, little did we know how much indoctrinating was even going on back then, let alone how much it would speed up and proceed to our current time. I mean, you've got to be witnessing this or or, or how do you witness this? And what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, certainly in the educational system now, our, our teens, they see a lot of it. They they um, they come back and they talk to us about uh, what the teachers are saying. And it's not terrible compared to what we hear from other schools, but they are slanted one way. Unfortunately, we spend time talking to them and they, they pretty much have a lot of firm convictions on their own. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, really, I think I think praying for discernment. Uh, for the for the kids and for us as we're here because some things they can't or they haven't figured out yet how to make woke uh they can't make accounting woke as far as i can tell right something <laughs> facts right i i haven't seen i haven't seen them twist the numbers to say hey they need to be friends with each other or something like that yet but um yeah i think just discernment and just trying to make sure you stay you stay grounded in the word and i think i think that's really got to be anchored when you're going through something like that because it's there's a lot out there. There's a lot of wind and waves going against us in the educational system. I uh, certainly appreciate that. And certainly from the perspective of, uh, I mean, I as well, uh, uh, dealing with a, a teenager as well, um, even though she goes to private school, um, it's not a Christian school. And so there's continual things to to deal with, to conversate over, and to uh, make sure uh, that there's a clear distinguishing um, feature there between the world system and that w- which is of the kingdom of God. All right, Tom, uh, you're go to you now. You're batting clean up on this. You, you certainly have uh, attained uh, affluent degrees of higher learning, and you've watched your children go through uh, institutions of higher learning, uh, recently being graduates of uh, different pr- uh, prestigious universities. Uh, what say you when it comes to being in the educational system, but not being of it. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the uh, there's a, from a Christ-centered worldview, there's a crisis in the educational system in America right now. And that's evidenced by the Senate hearings where three presidents were unable to articulate uh, that it is unacceptable on their campuses to uh, have people talk about the genocide of the Jews. Um, and last week, the president of Harvard you know the the the, the highest uh, you know level of uh, 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 higher education uh, in America. She resigned. She resigned as a victim. She didn't resign mm. with uh, explaining that you know she uh, plagiarized and that she couldn't articulate uh, that you know genocide is not acceptable in any circumstance, even in 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 uh, speech. But but that's hope. That's hope for us because I think that. There's a crisis going on that is not seen secularly, but it's seen by Christians. And, uh, you know, I, there, the, the evidence is clear. There's a, 
uh, an abandonment of uh, of public school systems. Everybody's going to there's uh, homeschooling is is occurring uh, at a very very high rate, and uh, so my feeling is that uh, reality will slap you in the face eventually. And I think that's what's happening. There's a pendulum that's swinging back. So we have to be uh, in the system, allow our children to be educated, but they have to be trained at home. We have a, a huge responsibility yes. to train our children at home in, in, in Christ-centered worldview uh, thinking. Yes. Oh, man, such an important point that you closed with there, Tom, because, uh, you know, this is a, 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 a loving and caring responsibility that parents, Christian parents, have to undertake and have to uh, have to do. And unfortunately, I think we see a lot of dropping of the ball on that mm. because we see too many kids being raised while they may be educated in this educational system. They are rather uneducated from a biblical worldview. And so that becomes very problematic when we consider the you know, this next generation that's coming along. All right. So now we jump from the educational system and we'll, we'll now discuss economics or the economic system. The economic system of money oftentimes equals worldly power or position. However, as money provides this, it can be much more greatly said that the love of money produces misery. First Timothy chapter six. A lot of people here in the West, especially, have pledged their allegiance to an economic system that has indeed left them empty. We have seen this as has been a prospective coming off of the rails as inflation has crippled so many people and debt has gripped so many people. How do we steer clear from pledging allegiance to this subsystem known as the economic system? And stop. I'm going to start with you on this, our certified public accountant of the panel. What say you in regards to not pledging allegiance to this economic system? I, I thought for sure I was going first on this one. I was like, he's going to he's going to pick on me first. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 consider yeah. you have the gift of prophecy, maybe then. <laughs> <laughs> cash out, cash out. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Well, yeah, and it's it's good that you said, you know, you quoted scripture there, the love of money. So it's easy, I think, sometimes for people to think money itself, but it's very clear to me that God wants us to have money and to use it, right? And I think if we stick, again, if we stay grounded in the scripture and keep our eyes there, okay, he wants us to give. He wants us to provide for our families. Those who don't are worse than an unbeliever, he says, right? Yeah. He wants us to save for the future, avoid most debt. And if you do those things, live within a balanced budget, I think it'll be easy for us as Christians to avoid this whole worldly grip. Materialism, that is just a drag. And you can see uh, when people get money really fast or have a lot of it, but they still don't have God, it doesn't fulfill, right? Otherwise, Nobody who was wealthy would ever commit suicide. So it's it's money is by itself okay, but don't worship it. Okay. So I uh, appreciate the points there of how how you emphasize how we are to use money that God has gifted us with. It's unfortunate that 
again, within this worldly system known as the economic system and people that attain some money, however much that is, whether they are considered wealthy or relatively speaking poor, they use it oftentimes by and large for selfish indulgences or to selfish ends. We see this clearly evidenced when we see certain businesses booming like uh, you know, liquor stores or uh, the drug industry. I mean, drugs are peddling by my house almost on a daily basis. It's now a business. I kid you not. And oh, yeah. that is definitely a, a part of the economic system. And we could go on and on and on about all kinds of things that people spend their money on or how they use their money and they use it for selfish ends. I'm now going to jump from uh, you to Tom on this. Tom, what say you when it comes to uh, this economic system? I mean, uh, you know, you've made out pretty well for yourself um, being in the medical field, but how do you guard yourself from not allowing uh, money to have you and instead you just have some money and you're looking to use it for kingdom purposes? I think I think you guys have, have really kind of uh, said it, and that is that you you just have to you have to seek God's will and understand what is His will uh, in terms of uh, how 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 to use the money that that uh, that, that blesses you, and uh, to understand we as Christians understand this kind of paradox, which is you can't outgive God, you cannot outgive God, and Amen. so uh, that it, it's His money. It, it, it was always his money. It was never mine. And so if we can use it to advance his kingdom on earth, then that's that's the right thing to do. Uh, and uh, just to kind of keep that in mind, that would be how, how to kind of be in the system, but not uh, not a part of it. All right, Tom, appreciate that. Now we'll go from you over to uh, Joe. That is Pastor Joe, that is. Mm who's loaded with all kinds of money, being a non-prosperity preaching gospel preacher. And, um, you know, if you're really looking to hit it big in the economic world, become a pastor, right, Joe? Yeah. Um, you're, you're so, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what say you now on this whole matter of uh, we are not to be of the economic system? Um, money does two things. First, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's a measurement of the, of the heart. That's why um, God, you know, Christ uh, tells us that you, you want to see where someone's heart is, just follow their wallet, right? right. Um, I think secondly, money reveals who you worship. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a good steward of the, the provisions that God has given you, whether it's finances or anything else, you're going to steward it. Life situations happen, and I totally get that. Um, I think Jeff understands that too. As an accountant, some people are kind of like they get stuck in the situation. But even in the midst of that, you kind of see where the heart is based on what they love. And that's money is the most simplest form of revealing the heart. Yeah. And uh, and if money actually does get worshipped, it is a very foundational form of idolatry. Yeah, we've actually uh, we, we've done a show on that uh here in in the past actually i think with stuff and him being a money guy but um i appreciate you bringing out how yeah money will reveal what somebody worships and especially here in the west we see a lot of worshiping of money because there's such an uh, abundance of it yeah and i'm not i'm not a huge uh, fan of alan hirsch for example but 
he said one of the most profound statements I've heard in years, and that is consumerism is the religion of the day. Mm -mm. How about it? So it's cool for us to have money, as both Stuff and Tom illustrated, but we got to be careful not to hoard money. And that's where the love of money uh, comes in. And, you know, perfect illustration, I think, of this would be like COVID. You know, it's good for mm -hmm. us to have some money, especially for a rainy day. You know, and during in the midst of COVID, people lost their jobs uh, or people were dealt some circumstances that they didn't couldn't have foreseen coming. And so it was kind of like nobody's fault. And it would have been good to have some, uh, you know, a money bucket or two laying around <laughs> to be able to uh, have some security uh, in that day. I now want to transition to Tatiana to have you back clean up on this one. What say you uh, in regards to, you know, an economic system, you know, you are in the educational system, you teach, not a whole lot of money there either. Um, <laughs> you know, what, what say you when it comes to this whole broad stroke, but yet concise comments that we're having? on this economic system discussion? I think it's just, I, I think it's another ploy of the enemy to, to link us and kind of um, try to root us into the things of this world, making us feel like, um, you know, our life isn't complete unless we have the newest car, the newest cell phone, you know, the designer clothes, the biggest house, whatever. Um, and it, and so it's always leaving us you know, longing and striving for the next material item and where God calls us to be good stewards of our money and to be a cheerful giver and to only, you know, take what we need. And then if we have extra kind of, you know, give that away instead of, you know, keeping it for ourselves and, you know, don't, don't store up for things for yourself that, you know, eventually uh, moths and rust are going to destroy, um, which was mentioned earlier, like, you know, treasure, um, store up your treasures for things in heaven and out of this world. Um, so it's in direct opposition of where, you know, Satan wants us to find our identities and all the things and the stuff and the money that come, you know, all comes together. And so if we are, and if we're stuck on seeing the rise and the fall of the economics, we're going to, you know, have our hope and our, and our um, despair falling in this, you know, on the same very fickle, um, you know, chart of, of economics where instead we should be, uh, our faith should be within uh, the Lord's provision. And so that's a direct, direct opposite of what the economic system is teaching. Yeah. Direct opposite or the word that I like to use is counterintuitive. I've used that mm -hmm. a number of times. Yep. Uh, the concepts that we've discussed so far and that we will continue to discuss in this episode of keeping it real is, um, is counterintuitive uh, to the way how the world operates, the way how people of the world operate. Uh, it's all about attaining that degree. It's all about attaining that promotion and doing whatever it takes to get there, even if it might even mean illegal means to get there. It's not to say that promotions are bad. It's not to say that degrees of higher learning are bad. Again, I, hey, if somebody wants to uh, you know, give me a promotion and if it gives me a million dollar pay raise, I'd be thrilled with that, right? But we are not striving for those things. We are striving for Christ. We are striving for a greater connection, deeper connection, a more invigorating connection or relationship with him. And so this goes very counterintuitive uh, to the world. And it explains how people in third world countries who have next to nothing 
can be so joyous, can mm-hmm. be so filled with energy, provided that they they know the Lord, or it comes oftentimes as a result of them knowing the Lord. They have the joy of the Lord. They have next to nothing. They can play soccer with a ball that has holes in it mm-hmm. and think it's the greatest thing. And I, co- I coach soccer and, you know, if there's even the least bit of air out of a ball, you know, a ref will have complaints that this ball doesn't <laughs> meet game standards. So now we move from the economic system now to the political system. You know, Joe earlier turned the heat up. Now the heat's going to get turned up probably quite a bit more. Uh, All of us will not have a shortage of words here. But again, I'd like to remind everybody that, uh, you know, this is not a four hour long show. All right. As we have turned the corner here in 2024, we know that this is an election year. Oh, boy. The emotional heat is bound to get turned up here before long. What should be our position as Christians? And I'll expand on that as radical Christians. How are we to walk in the spirit and not according to the flesh when considering political landscapes and the political system? Tom, I'm going to start with you on this one. What say you? Well, here I would say that uh, the first thing is, is that you know, politics downstream from culture. So really it's our culture that's going to drive that. The second thing I'll say is we can't work from a platform of fear. No, we have to work from a platform of victory. He is, Hmm. he has won. And therefore we have to know that he is in control and not even in control of the political system, but every square inch of his creation, he is in control. And therefore I would say, uh, from my point of view, is that really my work is is the community, is the culture, uh, and uh, knowing that he's in control and he will bring for us what is uh, good for us and glorifies him uh, in that in 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 this uh, process of the election, and uh, so uh, that is what what I'll, I would say. All right, so God is sovereign. That has to be a very well established point. And uh, whatever the results are going to be, whether if they be honest or dishonest or however they shake out in this country or otherwise. Um, in fact, one member of our panel, of course, that being Tatiana, is not even of the United States, at least currently, lives in Canada. So a lot of times, and I echo what you said earlier, Joe, as far as that you're no means a, a nationalist. I don't think any of us really are. Or we would describe we wouldn't describe ourselves that way, and how much of a mistake it is for I think Christians to be so hyperactive in the political rhetoric and political um, system of this world. That means now I'm going to kick it to you, Joe. What do you say on this matter of the political system? So it's the tale of two kingdoms. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. You get you get what you deserve. God, God is the one who institutes and ordains kings. And uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> you look at our political situation in 2024, it's not going to be any better. Trust me. It, it, they just, it's the same, it's the same coin, just two mm-hmm. different sizes. Oh. Coin. So yeah. um, that's number one. I think number two, um, it, you know, the tale of two kingdoms in reality is we're not of this world. So uh, we have a responsibility according to our king 
to uh, show honor and respect to those who he institutes in authority, good or bad. All Everyone who's in an authority position, God has ordained and placed there. So we have a responsibility to obey our authorities. Sure. Um, uh, that That's within reason, according to scripture, right? It's not going to get better. The system is designed as we started off uh, for the point of one world, global citizenship. The politics are there. The medical is there. The finances are there. Everything points to this one moment. Mm. The world has been prepared for for the 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 false king. And uh, I'm I'm be honest with you, as a Christian, this is the greatest time to ever live. Mm. In my opinion, next to Jesus. I mean, Jesus coming has got to be the greatest time. Real real quickly, why would you say that in about thirty seconds or less? Because it's the greatest opportunity to share the gospel. We have a mission. Yeah. And if we're not of this kingdom, if we're not of this world, we're of the we're of the heavenly kingdom, then get on the mission. Like yeah. get on the mission. Preach the gospel. In season, out of season, that is the mission. And you know Christians are lazy. Just be <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for keeping it real. And that is very true. We are to proclaim Christ, unveil Christ, uh, magnify him, exalt him. That needs to be so evident in our lives. So let me kick it to Tatiana, because as I mentioned uh, just a bit ago, you're not in the States here. You're in Canada. So sorry, a different, different country, different country, different leader by name and by face, but system very similar um not much if hardly really any difference at all so what say you from where you are and what are your observations uh in the here and now and moving forward in regards to our role how are we to roll as christians in the midst of such a corrupt uh governmental Mm. system um, yeah, going from from one messy political system to another, Canada definitely doesn't boast any um, <laughs> any great p- political system by by any stretch of the imagination. And and truthfully, um, our political system is greatly is greatly impacted by the U.S.'s political system, which is impacted by China, which is impacted. So sure. political systems all are kind of intertwined, and it's a big web. So and truthfully, so to be honest, no political system stands independently either um so but for me honestly you know we're called to you know what, what joe said we're called to be respectful and on honoring of the kings that are placed um in leadership but we're also called to not have an allegiance to any government as well our allegiance is to be to christ and to christ alone and so i look at the government and i just kind of look at it as like this is what this is what the system is. Um, I don't align myself with one particular political party either. Um, and I don't, I try not to get overstressed about the different things that are going on because as it was mentioned earlier too, the Lord is sovereign and this is all part of some plan, you know, greater than we understand. And so, um, when things seem like they're getting a little bit out of control, I just have to remind myself that God is working this out and, um, and it, you know, I'm not going to compromise my beliefs. So if that costs me my life in in the future, then so be it. Um, but I try not to. I try not to get myself mired into it. As stated previously, I'm not a Christian nationalist. I don't, you know, I don't believe that 
you know, the United States is going to be the savior of the world. I don't hope nobody gets mad at me for saying that, but uh, we all, we all know how the story ends and we all know that that's not what happens. Um, So again, I'm just, I'm just keeping my eyes focused on Jesus and whatever happens with that is, is where I'm looking to. And when you say, uh, if it means it costing your life, you're actually, I don't know if you know this or not, but kind of getting in, we will be getting into some things on how radical tr- Christians can expect to be treated before mm-hmm. we're all done with this episode of the podcast today. Stub, mm-hmm. you're batting cleanup on this one. Um, <laughs> what say you on the political landscapes and the sovereignty of God and what is going on now and how do you foresee things moving forward and how how do you how are you going to roll with everything that's playing out all of this distasteful stuff that's going on all of this corruption and it all flies in our faces and it seems like it's coming for us how are you rolling with all of this <laughs> the, the beauty of going last is everybody's already said my answers but, uh, <laughs> exactly. all right then jumping exactly to the next question stuff yeah. you must just say ditto and go on <laughs> Yeah. So really, I mean, again, it's already been said, but the sovereignty of God has to be kept in mind here. I mean, he is so much bigger than Jeff Stuppy's desires for this election and then this country's potential revival. Right. He is he's so much bigger than that. And I was on you know, I, I asked why in 2020, why would these things happen? And I, I personally feel there's a little bit of shenanigans going on, but. I have to trust him and remember that he is in control, but that doesn't mean there, there's two extremes here. We have to, I think we have to avoid those. It doesn't mean we just are quiet and we sit in a corner and pray, pray, pray only. Of course we pray. I do think we have to be active, but not hyperactive. So I do think we need to root for politicians who are more biblically based. And so means going out, I think working to get those people elected, Who's, who's honoring God more? Who's standing firmer on God's word versus other candidates? And you just hope that the decay of the culture can last a little bit longer. I agree. This is a good time to be a Christian because in the darkness, the light shines mm-hmm. and we're salt and light. And there are non-believers who will see the wickedness and all the nonsense going on and, and start to question. And maybe maybe that'll be our opportunity. Yeah, well, well put. And you know, I kind of go back to the nation of Israel when they first wanted a king. That's kind of like where, I mean, it, government tendencies were already established by that point. But Israel was to be a people that was to be set apart. And they were asking for a king. And God told them, Samuel told them, not a good idea. And they begged and pleaded and God gave them what they wanted. And they got Saul. He was a very corrupt individual. And it ended up permeating that people that was to be set apart for God so much so for so long. Little did those people probably know how negatively impactful that would be upon them as a country. And you reap what you sow. So there has been now this tendency as we shift to our fourth and final subsystem that we're going to cover here in this episode of the podcast. There has been this tendency and this operation in place to take away from Jesus Christ within an established religious system. Now, I know a thousand things can be said about this, but uh, we'll try and be uh, concise as we can. 
Now, people have been transformed as they have beheld or encountered the Lord, walked with him, albeit this is more the exception than the norm. What may be on the horizon as far as a religious system, all the more getting exalted goes, and what might be coming for radical Christians as a result of that? Joe, I'm going to start with you, uh, you being the pastor of the group. Well. I figured that was coming stuff, so <laughs> kind of knew. Um, so, first thing I want to say, state is concerning the educational system. We know that there's the core curriculum, a universal globalism. Concerning the financial system, we know that the institution of the digital currency and the global banking system is in place. Concerning the medical system. Uh, Basically, um, COVID-19 has brought about the control of the World Health Organization, uh, and that's now a done deal. Concerning the religious system, which is the last part of the global control, um, what, what has risen, and the scripture makes it very clear, is the people will seek teachers who will tickle their ears. And what you're seeing right now in the church is the takeover of the of the attempted takeover of what you would consider church today. The reality is that the, the real church of Jesus Christ, the gates of hell will not prevail. So when we're looking at religion, I think you first have to look at the nonsense that is coming out of churches stating that they are churches. And it's interesting enough that this happened this that this this radio show is today considering what just came out concerning one of these quote unquote, well-known teachers of the word concerning TD Jakes. You're going to see more of these guys pull up onto the scene. Um, there's churches in Atlanta. There's churches in Carolina. You know, the, there are, are, are many, many false teachers and um, these younger guys are taking over where the, the Kenneth Copelands and the rest of these false teachers came, you know, had left off. And, and that was, that's what you're seeing. I mean, it's I think we as as God's people, knowing the kingdom that we live and serve. And he says this world is not our world and he's preparing a place for us. We need to we need to understand that that's where our heart should be. I, I'm not surprised, to be honest with you. It's. Uh, it, it is the final nail in the coffin. And once the false king of this world um, system is revealed, he it will set himself up as God and he will want to be worshipped as God. OK, so you uh, hammer on a couple of things there. One, you hammer on false teaching and then you hammer on the prophetical aspects of how this is going to come to fruition because of how it's biblically prophesied to come to fruition. Yeah. So that being said, and all that very true, and I concur with, and certainly have no problem agreeing with, there's even something even more going on here. And again, mm -hmm. um, I mentioned to you guys off air, how much I appreciate each of you guys partnering with this ministry known as keeping it real. You don't just partner it with just being uh, conversation partners. Um, you partner with it with prayer, with care, with your hearts. I appreciate that all so much. But 
the biggest thing is is to advance Christ and the mm. kingdom of God. Mm. And that is virtually becoming extinct mm. in our current day, even amongst uh, Christians that consider themselves, you know, to be biblical per se. There's a lot of stale, and I have this on the about page on the website, very clear. There's a lot of stale, dry, diluted living going on, powerless living going on. And this is a big proponent as to, I think, the reason why there is not a greater movement of the kingdom of God or not more lives are being transformed because those, a lot of those that are his representatives are not representing him very clearly, not in power. So, Tanya, I go to you. Mm. What say you in regards to this whole thing about the religious system and while we are in it, we're not to be of it. And, you know, you've got a family as well. Certainly don't want to, you know, do an end around or bypass the fact that you have um, a young child that you're seeking more things for, better things for than what we see in so many Christian circles or what I would consider to be status quo Christian living. Yeah, absolutely. And and I, I think really where the, the falling short or the failure is coming is from the individual family unit to start off and, and being rooted deeply in the scriptures so that we can discern with these false teachers when they're out here and they're they're saying things that are you know 80 percent true but that 20 percent that is not true and that again that's the that's the um you know the mimicking that satan likes to do with so much of of everything because you know he he can't be God. So he's going to do just, just try to be just as close as a, as a, in the falsehood in that sense. So we need to be able to even separate ourselves from the different branches of the religious system and dig ourselves into the gospel and know exactly what is true and, and become so intimately connected to that. So that when we hear those false things, uh, we are able to discern when it's wrong. And so in doing that, we then need to you know, establish that within our homes, uh, demonstrate that with our children so that they also grow up and are raised in understanding true biblical values and principles and knowing the scripture well, and not just taking it the word from, from whoever is going to say it. And I think that's a lot of the issue is that there's these people sitting and just soaking in all of these, you know, very dynamic, very, you know, charismatic speakers who say a bunch of beautiful things and they're entertaining and all these things and they're just taking it at, at face value and they're not going back to the word and saying hey does that i'm not sure that didn't sound right let me let me double check that with you know um you know things of what christ has said and paul has said and, and other things within the gospels and, and that's a big failure is we're not we're not double checking with the scriptures to make sure whether what's being said is is true yeah and i tell you and no a sphere of Christianity is really exempt from this. I can even jump into uh, institutions of higher learning, um, whether it be Christian colleges and seminaries. Uh, a lot of people graduate from there and are not really able to adequately defend the, the reason of the hope that is within us, mm -hmm. uh, as Peter uh, states in First Peter chapter 3. 
And so it is very important for us, yes, to be grounded in the scripture, but also to be so entrenched in the activity of the Lord, the Lord's spirit moving in our lives, because ultimately it's not our intellect. It's mm -hmm. not our smarts that are going to make a difference uh, for the kingdom of God. It's ultimately going to be Jesus Christ and his activity in our lives. So stuff I now run over to you with this, you know, you're, you're continually talking about practical ways on how to get uh, more connected with the Lord. You mentioned different practical things that you even do while you're at a break at work or things like that and how you can have sweet communion with God. How is that so vital in standing out and being separate from this religious system, this worldly system known as the religious system? Yeah. When you try to focus on God and, and what I see going on in our culture, even from there's a sect of Christianity that has embraced only part of God. Now, God, Jesus, many wonderful attributes. I mean, he is love, deep, wide. I mean, the scriptures pour over how much God loves us. But he's not just love. Right. And a lot of these churches want to just take the love of Jesus and allow that to be a tolerance for sin. Mm. And it's clearly he is way more than just love. He is holy, holy, holy as well. And holiness does not tolerate sin. So in the name of love has been used and Jesus's love has been used and it hasn't represented him fully because he's way more than just love. And it's a shame to see that taken advantage of So because wait. he is truth. Yeah. So what well, you bring out is you actually contrast two very popular gospels, false gospels that have been very prevalent today. The gospel of libertinism that says God loves everyone. And because God loves everyone, you can kind of skate by almost doing whatever you want. And then there's the gospel yeah. of legalism that says, well, God's holy. You're not. Try harder. And the more you try hard, then maybe God will gain, you know, you'll learn favor with God. So I appreciate you bringing those out. Tom, now I go to you. Um, you're on the West coast of the U.S. You have your own experiences of being in the religious system, but not of it. And you also serve in prison ministry and you're quite busy doing a number of things to try and proclaim Christ and to, uh, help people see, particularly the lost, see their need for Christ. How do you roll? How do you recommend Christians stand out more from this system known as the religious system and really pursuing Christ in a very uh, organic and what I would describe as a keeping it real kind of way? And I would just say that, uh, you know, there, there's with the, the church in America, there's a secular drift. There's a secular drift going on. And it's my opinion that it Secular drift started. It's to do with uh, human sexuality. That's where it began, and that's where the issue is. And uh, therefore, you were, we're more interested in attracting people uh, to the church uh, for uh, to get the congregation larger. And uh, we've lost track of this very simple thing, which is read the scripture and obey. Period. That's it. And when we have good pastors like Pastor Joe. They give us the word through speech. It's also very, very good. 
And um, that's all. It, that's all it is. And 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 you, we just have to read the scripture and obey. And when we do that, Christ will bless us. And um, I, in addition to some of the prison ministries that I've done, I've also I'm involved with the Colson Fellows Program, the director of the Seattle Colson Fellows Program here, where we take uh, serious Christians that uh, are, are really interested in looking at the cultural um, this cultural tsunami that's occurring. And, and how how does the Bible inform us how to think about those things? Because the church isn't doing that. The church mm, isn't equipping yep. the, the congregation to, to go out there and be able to advance Christ's kingdom uh, in their neighborhoods, you know, in their family, uh, uh, in, in their spheres of influence. So that's what I would say. Mm, well, and I appreciate you bringing that out. And because hey, it, Oliver, yeah, um, I'm going to share everybody hit this right on the net, right on the head. So I want to share something real quick, about 30 seconds. Um, Paul writes to Titus as a pastor and he calls to Titus. He says in verse uh, Titus chapter one, verse nine, it says he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So here's here's my encouragement to those who are shepherding God's people, whether it's house churches or in uh, gatherings in in um, in in their local churches. First, live uh, Titus chapter one verse nine. The second is if you're attending a church and they are not teaching sound doctrine and they're telling you that theology and doctrine don't matter, run forest run. <laughs> that's that's my warning. Like it's that it's really that simple. And as, as Tatiana said, parents, disciple your own kids, man. Like, it's not my job to disciple your kids. Hmm. It's my job to teach you, to equip you to do the work of the ministry. It's your job as moms and dads to disciple your kids at home. Right. So I appreciate you bringing that up because now that gets us into this last and final question. It's kind of similar to the prior question. But it's a bit of an expansion because it now not just strictly holds to the religious system. This has a broad stroke that includes the whole world system at large. Because I would tend to believe that there are going to be certain things coming for radical Christians. We see this in scripture, you know, whether if it was David who stood out and had to run for his life or whether if it was uh, the disciples who became apostles and stood out. We see we can read all the accounts that involved imprisonment, um, torture, oftentimes death. Tatiana mentioned that earlier, how if it even means falling on the sword, then that's what it'll mean. That's what it'll only mean, though, for radical Christians. I will beg to say or, or tend to say that most Christians want no pieces of that. They don't want none of that. So having said that, this may be one of the most unique points of not only American history, but history at large. Much more importantly, we could be entering into a very different time for passionate kingdom-oriented Christians. What could this standout time look like? And how does this line up with what we see in scripture? Tatiana, we'll start with you. Well, we, we of course, don't know the timeline of when, when Christ is going to come sure. back. 
But we do see, you know, we do see prophecy being fulfilled with different things that are taking place. And as believers, we are definitely seeing the shift um, heading in that direction. Real quickly, Tatiana, if I could. Yeah, yeah, it does have a prophetic overtone. But also, I'm just talking about the overall treatment of Christians. I mean, for (laughs) example, you and I have even talked about how much this ministry on social media is getting shadow banned. Yep. There are other people within ministry that can clearly authenticate how they are being shadow banned. Their yep. message is getting suppressed. Yep. How are we to deal with this? How are we what's our perspective on this as radical Christians? Well, we don't we don't let that stop us. Amen. Is really just the that's just kind of the root of the of the whole thing is we don't let it stop us. We don't let it discourage us. Uh, you know, social media is not the end all be all. Mm-hmm. Um, we can get out there and go stand on a street corner and preach the same gospel and get that message out. So, yes. you know, if, if there are certain avenues that are being shut down for us, maybe that's because the Lord is asking us then to step out of our comfort zone and do something different, or he's asking us, um, to travel somewhere else to reach other people. Um, so, you know, as Christians, we just know that we're going to continue to to feel that opposition. It's not going anywhere. It's going to get uh, louder. It's going to get stronger. It's going to get, and it's going to be uh, from the secular world as well as within the Christian community uh, within the church. I mean, we have seen the church divided amongst itself, mm. itself on a lot of issues. Um, COVID was one of them, for example. I've never seen so much ugly um, from an, within a quote unquote church body. And it was really sad to see it, but it really proved uh, just like, you know, where your heart is, you know, mm, what is inside your brain is going to come out of your mouth. And like, you know, what are you filling your body with is going to come Brilliant. out. And so, yeah, we just, we just have to stand firm and realize that yes, while physical death is, is not something that I'm just like, oh, yay, I'm so <laughs> excited, you know, uh, you know, <laughs> Yeah, you to die. But, I don't think know, Paul but, was even that way either. And he said, probably was the closest thing to it. Yeah. To live as Christ and to die is gain. And so the end of it is that, you know, we have a beautiful attorney to look forward to. And that this this world and its temporary, you know, joys and despairs all in one is just that. It's just temporary. And so we just hold on to that and, and stand firm and, and be loud and bold and proud of it. Amen. Stop. <laughs> what say you? It's yeah, I mean. Certainly, the Bible talks about persecution, right? And I think we've been pretty fortunate as a country for the most part. Yeah, there's persecution out there, but there's Christians suffering much greater persecution all over the world. I do think the heat is going to be turned up. I think it's going to get worse. But we've we've talked about the light of the gospel, right? That will stand out in the darkness. And I think, again, if we remember that our, our Father in heaven is a rewarder and he will reward us and uh, we are to stand firm and it might not be easy, but standing firm, being salt and light and just trusting in him really in all things. And just remember, it's just a blip and eternity is much, much longer. Mm. All right, Joe, I go to you. What's what, what do you have to say about this all important uh, closing subject matter we're discussing? Well, persecution will determine the believer versus the non-believer because non-believers aren't going to die. <laughs> they're just not going to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like my life or 
you know, deny Christ and live on this earth or, you know, profess him and die, vast majority are going to deny Christ. That's because our, you know, sadly, there are many, I, I'm, I mean, we all see it in churches all the time. There's many professor professors, but no possessors. Mm -hmm. So um, not many possessors, let me say it that way. Um, I think the second thing is, um, as Stupp said, uh, the gospel. There's too many gospels out there, and no one knows what the true gospel is. It's because there's not a clear articulation of it. And Paul gives that clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel is Christ died on the cross, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Um the full counsel of God's word must be preached. And whether that's uh, all of us going out and evangelizing the world individually, um, it's one person at a time. It's not one government at a time. Mm -hmm. the, governments are, the governments will never change because mm -hmm. evil people institute evil people. And God's, God's okay with that because God gives what, he, what that nation deserves. But the gospel is the key and we need to get, be busy doing the, doing the work and uh, fulfilling the mission. Amen. Tom, I go to you. You wrap it up for us here on Keeping It Real today. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that uh, it, it's been well said that uh, this is a standout time. I would say three truths. One is that uh, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is risen, and Jesus has put me in this cultural moment for a reason. And so part of me picking up my cross is preparing myself to live in this cultural moment for him to advance his kingdom. And so I think that, uh, you know, we do that in our communities. Again, sphere of influence. How can we impact the sphere of influence that we have? Well, that's the opportunity that Christ has given us. And so what are we going to do with it? As Tanya said earlier, we got to be uh, great um, stewards of, of the, the opportunities that he gives us. And so uh, even with my adult children, you know, and I like to see them, walking closer with the Lord. And I would like to see, uh, you know, the church in America and, and my community walking closer to the Lord. You know, the two things that I can do is model and pray, model and pray. And I need to continue to do that. One other thing I will say as we close, though, is that the work that I'm doing in Africa, I mean, here in America, it looks pretty dim. The light is low, right? But in, in, in Africa, I'm telling you, the kingdom is being unleashed incredibly. And so we, we need a revival. We need a revival in America. And uh, it starts with us. We're the leaders. We're the ones that are called to do that. So let's go for it. Let's do it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Tom, Amen. I appreciate that. And Said. I encourage anyone who did not listen or has not listened to the episode Divine Movement in Madagascar, I would greatly encourage people to check that out. As Tom referenced his uh, trip to Madagascar and incredible uh, things that happened there and a very vivid um, report from there. I will say uh, also that uh, Tom mentioned that we are to deny ourselves, You know, partially quoted that verse in Luke chapter 9 that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and, and follow the Lord. The next verse, uh, Jesus says that whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. And again, dare I say that most people who profess to know Christ don't want any parts of that. Are we willing to lose? Because losing really means winning in the kingdom of God.
So that's a closing exhortation for those that are listening that are Christians. You know for sure that you know Christ as your Savior. Be willing to lose. Lose greatly. Lose much, if necessary, for the advance of the kingdom. And for those listening that don't know Christ, you may have listened to all of this and be like, this was really weird. <laughs> well, welcome to a life in Christ and what it looks like. Uh, we, there's definitely a call to you to accept Christ, as Joe mentioned earlier, what the gospel is. And that is to trust in Christ's birth, death, burial, and resurrection and believe that he is the only one that can change a life.